Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. come now to the time in which we hear the word of God read. Today is from Psalm 88. This is Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry, for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead, and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down with wave after wave you have engulfed me. You have driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I am in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? O Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. O Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? I have been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have engulfed me completely. You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, we pray in the stillness, in the darkness, in the light, on the hills and in the valleys, in the pit and on the mountaintop, Lord, be near. Amen. I'm one of those people who does not like silence. Um, So if I'm driving in the car, I've got to have a podcast or some music going. If I walk into the house and I'm all by myself, I'll turn on the TV. Um, If I'm washing dishes, I'm listening to a podcast. This is just the way I like my life to be filled with noise. But what I've noticed happening um, and, and you, maybe there's some of you who are, are like me, is, is that the moment it gets silent, my brain and my heart just overflow. And that particularly happens when I, I lay down for bed. Does this happen to anybody else? You've been busy going all day, and the moment you lay down, your brain is like, finally, I can tell you what I need to tell you and remind you. And, and your mind is just going and going and going and going. Now, one thing that I know as a pastor is that one of the primary ways which God forms people is through silence and solitude. Um, and I know that at some point in time in my life, I am going to value and practice silence and solitude. I know that's what God wants for me. I'm just not quite ready for that yet. 
And maybe you've had similar experience. You know God's doing something, but you're just not ready for it yet. Um, and I think God just wants us to continue to move in the direction that he asks us to do. And so maybe there are some of you who are like me who fill your life with noise. And so it is hard to be silent and solitude. And what I realized was that I was having trouble sleeping because my mind was going and going and going. And so years ago, I thought, I know what I will do. Because I listen to podcasts, but sometimes they yell at each other, and I didn't want that. Um, and so I thought, I'm going to listen to a television show. But I didn't want one where I'd like sort of wake up and want to watch it. Um, I needed something that was really dialogue-driven television show. Um, and so I started to watch or listen to, probably about eight or nine years ago, The West Wing. Now, The West Wing was a show that came out uh, about 1999, ran for about seven years, and it was about um, sort of the, the White House and uh, uh, an administration that was there. And it's led by President Bartlett, played by Martin Sheen. And it tells the story of The West Wing. Now, one of the major episodes is in season two, um, the season finale. It's an episode called Two Cathedrals. And there's this powerful scene that happens in the, uh, in the National Cathedral, um, and, and it's, it's just remarkable. Now, Martin, she Martin Sheen's character, um, Jed Bartlett, he is a Catholic, a very devout Catholic, has a, has a deep desire to be in a good relationship with God, but he is angry at God. Um, his longtime assistant, a lady by the name of Mrs. Van Landingham, who had been uh, with him for many, many years, was really a mom-like to him had just died in a car wreck right after she bought her very first brand new car. He had had some other happens. Apparently, being president is not an easy job, believe it or not. There's a lot of stress that goes with it. And he finds himself in the National Cathedral, and as president, you can tell people what to do sometimes. And so he told people to, he wanted to be alone in that cathedral with him and God, and so they closed the doors. And then... President Bartlett yelled at God. And these are some of the things he said. He said, she, brought her, she bought her first new car and you hit her with the drunk driver. What, was that supposed to be funny? I think you're just vindictive. He goes on and says, have I displeased you, you feckless thug? Now, I've never called God a feckless thug, an irresponsible thug. I mean, it's amazing the audacity of him to cry out and to say that to God. It's, it sort of made my skin crawl a little bit, and it made me wonder, like, can you say that to God? Can you call God names in prayer? Is that okay? Can you yell at God? Can you question God? Is that something that we're allowed to do? And if you look at Scripture, the answer is unresounding yes. You can question God. You can yell at God. You can say exactly what you are feeling and thinking to God. But I think too often we are concerned with a prayer getting, getting our prayers right instead of a prayer being real. We're more concerned with this is how I think I'm supposed to pray. This is how people pray at church. This is how my grandfather prayed at a meal. So this is how I'm supposed to pray. And so we have this idea of a right way that we are supposed to pray. When really scripture tells us again and again that it's about being real with God more than it is being right with God. And so I think the answer to the question is, can I yell at God? I think the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, multiple times I have talked to people who said one of the most transformative times in their life with God has been when they've yelled at God. 
I had a friend of mine, and he talked about how he was walking around in the neighborhood yelling at God. I would have loved to have seen that, right? I mean, I, I might have called the cops on him, like there's a crazy guy yelling at nobody, right? Now you can just, if you're going to yell at God now, I'd recommend putting an earbud in, and then people are thinking that you're talking with some customer service somewhere and just upset with them, right? That way you don't look quite as, as crazy, but, but there is this thing that we can be real with God. And so in this month, we're going to be looking at different uh, prayers in our scriptures um, and ways in which you and I can, can pray and be honest with God. And at this class that we're going to do on Wednesday night, we're going to be using a book by a guy by the name of Pete Gregg. It's called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. But in there, he says the best advice on praying that he's ever received is this, to keep it simple, to keep it real, and to keep it up. How are we supposed to pray? We keep it simple, we keep it real, and we keep it up. Whether we're having a great day or a terrible day, whether things are well or whether things are awful, we are called to be people who keep it simple, to keep it real, and to keep it up. Now, in the scripture that we read today, we heard honesty from the psalmist, and we had this experience of despair. And all of us, I think, are going to go through seasons of despair where it doesn't feel like life is going to get any better. One of the ways I understand despair is that despair is believing that tomorrow will be just as bad as today. That there's not a hope that things are going to get better, that you're stuck in this reality and in this life, and there's no way to get out. And that's really what the psalmist here talks about. Now, Psalm 88 is a very unusual psalm because it does not sort of follow the typical pattern of a psalm of lament. There's a few different kinds of psalms, but if you've been reading over the psalms, which is a great way to learn how to pray, to read over the psalms, um, you'll notice that there's these psalms of lament. We're going to be talking about it next week, about the normal pattern of psalms of lament that normally end with, yet, Lord, I trust you. Even though I know things are terrible and I'm weeping, yet, Lord, I believe in your goodness that eventually you will come through. There is none of that in this one. In fact, you noticed how it ended. Darkness is my closest friend. And when I said this is the word of God for the people of God, you mumbled through, thanks be to God. And I wonder if that's what the psalmist felt when he wrote it as well. It's full of despair, right? We, we can kind of walk through it real quickly. For my life is full of trouble and death draws near. And sometimes that's the way life feels. It feels like nothing is going right, that nothing can get any better. And death, sometimes physical death, but sometimes emotional death or spiritual death, death always seems to be closer than life. And do you hear the words that he says, not only about others, but about God? He says, they have left me among the dead. And I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You, God, have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest of depths. And so this is an image that he gives of what does despair feel like? What does his life feel like? It feels like a pit. I am in a trap with no way of escape. Uh, tomorrow is going to be just as bad as today. And so you can almost imagine this psalmist like looking around and, and thinking, this is it. This is my life surrounded by these walls and there's no way to get out. But he goes on and he asks questions of God. Can you question God? Of course you can. He said, can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in a place of destruction? Now, one of the advantages we have from the psalmist is that we're on the other side of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. 
And so the psalmist is writing this before Jesus has come without the Holy Spirit. And here's what we know, that can those in the grave declare your unfailing love because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? We know the answer to that is absolutely. Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? We know that that answer is yes, because Jesus died on the place of destruction on the cross. But here the psalmist is given freedom to ask questions. And we have the same freedom to ask questions of God. Even if we know the answer, or maybe we don't, we can tell God what we are thinking and feeling. This is such a gift to us. Now in verse 15, he says something, and I know that some of you are living in this reality. I have been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. You know, one thing I know that we have people in our congregation who are dealing with chronic health issues and chronic pain. And, and what is it like to be living in that day after day after day and wondering, God, don't you care? Why haven't you done something? If you're the God who heals, why don't you heal me? Why don't you heal now? And so one of the things we're asking as a church is how do we walk with people who are in constant pain and who have been sick continually. And of course, he ends with these words, you have taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. All alone at the bottom of a pit with what he knows is darkness. Now, there's so much that this Psalms and the Psalms teach us. And and I think it's important for us to, to look at part of that. Now, one of the things it teaches us is that suffering is a reality of this life. All of us are going to go through a a season of despair. All of us are going to have time in the pit. Now, some of you are thinking, gosh, my season of despair has been way more than a season. Some of you may be thinking, gosh, it feels like that all my life is suffering, that it just is a cascade of bad things, one right after another. I'm never going to be able to get out. But, But we do appreciate that the psalmist acknowledges that the pit is real. And if you feel that way, and if you're living in that, you are not alone because suffering is a reality of this life. Now, part of also what this psalm teaches us is not just that suffering will happen, but that we can be honest to God about our pain. Um, I like the way that Scott Cormode, who's a professor at Fuller, says it. He says, God can handle your honesty, especially your anger. God can handle your honesty, especially your anger. And again, there are times we think, okay, I can't say that to God. I can't, I can't express that. I can't disclose that. This is, is God as if he doesn't already know what we're thinking or feeling. And so God invites us to be honest. We don't even have to be correct with our theology. If I was correcting the psalmist on his theology, I'd say, well, God didn't cause this and God didn't throw you into the pit. I'd be saying all these things. That's not what this is about. God wants us to be honest with what we are feeling and how we are feeling. Um, I had a friend one time, and he was going through a a rough situation, and there was somebody that he was very, very angry at. Uh, He was so angry at him that he had imagined their death. Have you ever been there? All right. Imagine somebody's death. It's not the holiest thought. But then he texted me one day, and he said, he said, you know how in the Psalms people pray for the destruction of our enemies? Is that still allowed? And I said, absolutely it is. I mean, because if that's where our heart is, don't you think God wants to know that? 
And if we just hold it inside of us, if we just hold in this hatred and this anger and this pain and this bitterness and we keep it for ourselves, we are not allowing God an opportunity to do something. Now, I think one reason why we hesitate to bring our anger and our frustration to God is that we want to be angry and in pain. We want to be mad. We want to hold that power over somebody. And we think if we give it to God, God's going to do something with it we may not like. Or maybe we feel like we can't go to God with that. But what we're doing is we are just swallowing and holding in this pain and this anger and this bitterness inside. And it is poisoning us from the inside out. And so we are people who are called to give God our anger to, I think, the reason why the psalmist pray for the destruction of their enemies is because that's how they felt and God honors how we feel. And it's only when we express it to God that God can do something with it. If you want anger and bitterness to run your life, hold it in. But if you want to be free from that, let it out. And God is a safe person to share your anger with. He's not going to go tell a bunch of people. He's pretty good at keeping confidence. And he is somebody who can do something with it. Now, a couple of things happen whenever we are honest with God. One is is that God might change our hearts. Because my friend texted me back and he said, after I said absolutely, he said, are you sure? It seems like Jesus changed that thing. But I think what happens is that God wants us to share. And then after we share and he's going to hear us and feel us emotionally, Then he'll remind us of the words of Jesus, that we are to love our enemies and we are to pray for those who persecute us. And he might just soften our hearts towards these other people. And and, and we might go down the road of forgiveness that brings healing to our hearts instead of bitterness and anger that we can carry around. And if our anger is towards God, that's okay too, because he can handle it. He can take it. But when we give it to God, when we share it, when we release it, We need to be humble and open enough to receive back from God. Because prayer is not just yelling at God, but it's also listening to God. It's being still and silent enough to hear the voice of of God. There was one time I was talking uh, with my counselor, and it surprised me. Because I was angry at somebody who had done something, and I was wanting him to tell me I was all good and my anger, and that was okay and all that stuff. You know, you want justification sometimes. But when I offered it to him, do you know what he told me? He said, Aaron, you're not mad at them. You're mad at yourself. And I wonder if sometimes my anger is not directed at other people, but I'm really mad at myself and I need to let myself off the hook. And maybe some of the yelling at God that we need to do is because we've hurt ourselves and we've sinned and we need that freedom that comes from self-forgiveness as well. So God can handle your honesty. He can handle your anger. If you, need to, if you need an empty church building, if you want to come to this sanctuary and yell at God, just we, we can do that. We can schedule it, all right? 2.30, so-and-so's yelling at Jesus, all right? You even can look at them, right? We'll turn the light on and everything. You can tell them how you feel. Because you need a, you need a place to be able to do that. Now, part of also a, of what we can believe in the psalm is if you feel alone, you are not alone. You know, here, it's amazing the words of, that the psalmist begin. Oh, Lord, God of my salvation. He still trusts. He's still calling God with honor. I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. He goes on and says in verse 13, oh, Lord, I cry out to you. I keep pleading day by day. Even though we feel alone, we're not always alone. In fact, one of the spiritual seasons that's kind of classic in Christianity is the dark night of the soul. This season in which God feels distant and which our soul feels in despair. 
and that that actually is a way in which we learn to be persistent and to trust in God. And what we believe and what we choose to believe is that Jesus is with us and he weeps with us. During communion, we're going to be singing a song called Weep With Me. I came across it uh, this week and it really just spoke to my heart. But one of the things it says in there is, here in the shadows, here I will offer my praise. What's true in the light is still true in the dark. What's true in the light is still true in the dark. And so we can believe that we are not alone. And so the psalmist, even though he felt like he was speaking from the bottom of a pit up into nothingness, he still had the slightest bit of hope that maybe God would listen. Now, most of you know that Heather and I, we were in Israel um, a a few weeks ago, and we saw so many things. Now, one of the things that really uh, was an extraordinary sight was we went to the high priest at Jesus' time, Caiaphas' house. Now, um, when I say a house, it was more of a kind of a compound, Um, and uh, so there's a a big church there. It's got a rooster on top because it's the place where Peter denied Jesus and then heard the rooster crow. Um, They have a little courtyard that they've excavated that, you know, this could be the place that, that Peter denied Jesus. I mean, it's extraordinary being at some of these places. Now, the high priest, Caiaphas, he had a prison and a dungeon in his house. Now, that's weird, right? Can you imagine coming over to my house and in my basement I got a prison? Right? That tells you something about the religious power in that day, that they could arrest people and have them at the house of the high priest and the amount of power that they had. Now, one of the interesting things is when we went there, there was this sort of hole that was in the the ground. And, And so you could just look down and it would go down into a dungeon, it was one of the weirdest things. And so what they would do is they would take a rope and they would lower whoever was down there into the pit. And later, we all went down into the pit. They have a podium there, turned to Psalm 88. And what they were saying to us was it would have been someplace like this and maybe this place where Jesus would have spent a few hours before he went to Pilate. So remember, Jesus was arrested. It was in the night. And then he was taken to Caiaphas's house for an initial sort of trial. But it was really Pilate, who was the governor, who was the one who could put him to death. Now, they didn't want to wake the governor up at three o'clock in the morning. So they had to wait until light was there before they could take him. And so it's very likely that while Jesus was waiting to go to Pilate's house, that he was lowered into a pit like this or this one, and he experienced the misery of being alone in the darkness and on the verge of death. Don't these words have a different sense now? O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day, I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer, listen to my cry, for my life is full of trouble and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead, and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. So if you've ever been in a pit, you're not alone, because Jesus has been in the pit. One of the other things I've learned from listening to the West Wing is this parable and story. A man was walking down the road when he falls into a pit. A doctor walks by. He cries out. He looks up. He says, hey, doc, can you help me? 
The doctor takes out his prescription pad, writes a prescription, throws it down the hole, and goes on. Then a pastor walks by. Surely he's a good person. He says, Pastor, can you help me? I'm down here alone in the pit. The pastor writes out a prayer for him, throws it into the hole, and walks on. Then a friend walks by. The guy calls out. He says, hey, buddy, can you help me? I'm down here in the pit. All of a sudden, his friend jumps into the pit with him. His friend looks at him and says, you idiot. Now we're both down here. The friend says, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. Come follow me. My friends, Jesus has been in the pit before, and he knows the way out. And if you're in a place of despair, you are not alone. Jesus is with you, and he will guide you, and he will take you step by step out of there. And if you're in a season of despair or you enter into a season of despair, you can remember that God is with you, that God is good, and that God will lead the way out of the pit. Psalm 40, another one, uh, another prayer says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, the hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And one of the things that, that we have as people who have left, who have, who have been from a place of despair into a place of hope, is that we can provide a way for other people. That your pit and your experience there might be a way to light somebody else's way out of their own despair. And you are not alone, and God is with us. And so we stand at this side of Pentecost. We live in the era of the Holy Spirit in which we believe that God is with us no matter what, no matter where. Because Jesus said, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You are not alone in your despair, in your hopelessness, in your pit. You are not alone. And God will be with you because he's been there before. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 830 and 1050 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.